This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Here are your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Eric Giacometti. It's finally here, the 2016 regular season, about to start the 21st season of MLS Soccer. The New York Red Bulls will be taking on Toronto FC, and we finally have a game to preview. Tonight on Seeing Red, we will go inside the Red Bulls' last two matches of the preseason. We'll talk about a key injury that's going to impact Jesse Marsh's starting lineup. We're going to preview TFC Sunday, 1.30 Red Bull Arena. Talk a little TV. We have an old favorite joining the show. Dave Martinez of Empire of Soccer will be a guest on the show. So we hope. We're going to have a whole list of compilations of clips from Media Day to bring you inside what all the players and coaches had to say officially. And, of course, we have your feedback, your emails, all that good stuff. It's Seeing Red. I'm Mark Fishkin. He's Eric Giacometti. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well, Mark. How's it going? Uh, I, I am so excited. Right now, as you record, it's Connor Laid days away. We're five days away from the 2016 season. Um, before we get to the games that actually count, though, I want to talk a little bit about the games that help get New York ready for Sunday's match. I saw you down in Clearwater, uh, the Red Bulls in Philadelphia Union. I don't really think that anyone had the kind of outing that Il Senio had for the Philadelphia <laughs> Union. Talk to me about exactly what you saw. Yeah, I'm not sure too many people anywhere are going to have a, an outing like El Senio with uh, that kind of debut for the Union. Uh, well, just to touch on that for a little bit, obviously a, a new signing. I think he had just signed that day officially. First bit of action uh, against the Red Bulls in a friendly down in Clearwater uh, and promptly gets himself thrown out of the match uh, before halftime. So uh, that that was definitely an interesting uh, way to get your career started with uh, with the Union. But in, in terms of the game overall, I thought the Red Bulls looked very sharp. Uh, you know, Obviously, they would have liked to have nicked the result getting a goal there at the end, but they controlled a lot of the play, especially in the first half when they had a lot of their starters out there. And they were really, you know, pushing the game. And if not for John McCarthy and uh, McCarthy and Net, it, it could have been a lot different because he made a lot of good saves uh, over the course of the match. But uh, overall, I think it was a good performance. You, you saw a lot of uh, promising things from the youngsters as well. So uh, a good a good omen for uh, the next game that they actually played. Yeah, certainly. And you know, for me. Uh, going down, seeing it live, the team looked very cohesive. We're obviously going to talk about Gonzalo Verón. Um, he looked, frankly, fantastic, extremely dangerous, everything you've heard. I like the play of Gideon Ba. Um, Philadelphia came out just brawling. And as we talked about uh, at, on the radio broadcast down from Philly, you know, this isn't what you necessarily want to do a week and a half before the season starts. You're still trying to get your lineup in order. And here Philadelphia came out. I don't know if they were told to send a message by Jim Curtin, but nevertheless, they really weren't playing soccer in the first few minutes of the game. El Senio gets the heave-ho, and then you're playing basically a meaningless game, 10 v. 11, which doesn't really help anybody. Yeah, it, it was kind of a shame, honestly, because these these friendlies, as we, we both said on the, on the broadcast, they're training exercises. They really don't mean much in the way of results. So you'd much rather just have them go out there and and get a, a real simulation of what a game is going to be like. And I spoke with Jesse afterwards, and he asked the referee if the union could actually put another player back on the field, just because they would much rather play against eleven and, and you know kind of get a feel for the MLS season as opposed to playing a man up. Uh, but they couldn't do it because you know it was a ticketed event, so it had to be. Uh, 
you know, played out per FIFA regulations. Uh, but, you know, it's it's something that I think the Red Bulls are going to have to deal with. I actually spoke with, with uh, Jesse and a few of the players about just uh, how physical teams might be, and it was something they, they actually encountered last year as well in terms of the physicality uh, from their opponents because obviously the Red Bulls are very good at what they do in terms of their high press that frustrates teams, and they can possess the ball with their midfield, and that gets teams you know kind of worked up. So they'll, they'll come in with those flying challenges that you see and you know try to you know dis- disrupt and disturb whatever the Red Bulls do well. It's something that they're they're ready for. They know it's going to be coming, and they just have to make sure they keep an even keel and then keep on pushing forward in 2016. Of course, they had a much easier time uh, that Saturday night when they played Jacksonville for the second time in the preseason. And uh, I, I personally would like to play Jacksonville every week because New York dropped five on them each of the two times they played them. And uh, Gonzalo Verón picked up a hat trick. T- talk to me about your thoughts from that last final match last Saturday at Jacksonville. Well, that's exactly what you want to see if, if you're the New York Red Bulls in terms of the way they progressed their preseason. It seemed like they got stronger and stronger as they went along. And it all culminated with that, that final match uh, in Jacksonville against the Armada. I mean, what a complete performance from top to bottom. I mean, you had, you had basically everything you could have wanted. You had some big saves from Luis at times to, you know, to, to maintain uh, what was a clean sheet for most of the game until the very end there. And you had you know, Gideon Ba getting on the score sheet. And, of course, you, you can't talk about that game without talking about Gonzalo Verón, who was... He had, you know, by far the best preseason of anyone in Red Bulls camp. He was just electric. He he tore it up every single time he was out there. He's been a menace. So uh, a bit of a shame that he picked up that late knock, but overall a, a very, very impressive performance. And yet it was that late knock that is going to be the story or one of the storylines coming in to the match this uh, this Sunday at Red Bull Arena because... Jesse Marsh had said Verone will definitely miss the match. What, what's the extent of his injury? It, it's a hamstring injury, uh, which is you know a little bit unfortunate, as, as Jesse Marsh said today after training. Uh, the prognosis is a, a little bit unclear. They're, they're hopeful that they're going to get him back for Montreal uh, in the second week of the season, but he is definitely ruled out for Toronto in the home opener, uh, which is a shame for, for Red Bulls fans and, and the Red Bulls team because he and Bradley Red Phillips at top were clicking very well, and it would have been great to get them off uh, on the right foot, especially at home, you know, kind of just showcase them to the fans that, you know, for a lot of people that don't know what Gonzalo's all about because we really haven't seen him at the height of his powers, so to speak, with him being on the wing, coming in, in mid-season, we really haven't seen the best of Gonzalo yet, so uh, it would have been nice to, to get him out on the field at Red Bull Arena and, and really test out that partnership, but uh, it looks like it'll have to wait, wait at least another week. All right. Uh, New York did let uh, a player go off the roster, Mayel Corbaz, who's one of the gang of seven homegrown signings, uh, was cut from the club. He was waived. Um, his future has yet to be announced if he does have a future with the program. That means there is a roster spot going into, frankly, the last five days before the season starts. Is there a player, Eric, that you believe has the inside track for, for making it onto the permanent roster? Well, you know, obviously you have to look at uh, at some of those trialists that have... Uh you know, been in camp with the Red Bulls and, you know, purely off conjecture. I'm, I'm not definitely in those meetings with, with Jesse in the front office, but uh, you might think of someone like a, a check and buy maybe sneaking into the first team roster uh, just based on, you know, his performance and, and what he's done in camp. But, you know, you never know what these things uh, in, in terms of who's going to end up where. Uh, the good thing is they have the flexibility with the USL team to kind of move pieces around and, and see who fits where. I mean, one thing that Jesse always talks about is honoring their developmental process. So if that means, you know, 
know, getting some minutes down in USL, it's it's a hell of a lot better than rotting away on the bench in the first team and not getting any minutes. So it's a it's kind of a guessing game at this point as to who's going to end up where. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Corbuzz obviously plays a position attacking mid that New York has a lot of options uh, for a very, very deep team there. And so you just kind of have to wonder if Corbuzz will stay with the organization or move on and try something else. So that said, let's get to previewing this week's opponent, and that's Toronto FC. The Reds were 15, 15, and 4 in 2015 for 49 points, good enough for 6 in the East and 10th in MLS, their first ever in season 7 or 8, uh, or for Toronto making the playoffs. And they promptly went to Montreal in a knockout match and gave up three goals before halftime, thank you very much, and made the second half of their first ever MLS playoff appearance completely academic in a three goal loss. Loss. They did make some changes, uh, as mo- a lot of MLS teams do in the offseason, and they brought in quality, uh, quality veteran MLS players like Drew Moore and Stephen Betashore, Will Johnson from Portland, Clint Irwin, the excellent keeper from Colorado, uh, to Sub- Subasa Endo, who's a big draft pick, who's a forward, came in. Out went Robbie Finley, out went Jackson, and out went Hercules Gomez, who looked to be the last cut, I believe, on Toronto. Just announced earlier today, Herc, that he will not uh, be with Toronto. I think he scored one goal in something like seven games. He had a pretty payday, but he won't be with the Reds moving forward. Um, and of course, if we're talking about Toronto FC, we, we must begin and end with Giovinco. 22 goals and 16 assists, the runaway winner of MLS's first Landon Donovan MVP award. Uh, incredibly dangerous. New York was able to th- throttle Giovinco um, at least in one of the games that the, that the teams played in New York. And then, of course, uh, there was the match and unbelievable mazy run where the Red Bulls uh, were playing Yakety Sacks in the back to basically allow Giovinco to score the goal that all but clinched their playoff participation. Um, as with Gonzalo Verón, Josie Altador is injured and he will not play in this match, which is kind of a shame for a guy that was born in Livingston, New Jersey, and obviously had his first professional contract with the Red Bulls. Um, Also very interesting, the TFC away supporters are under sanction for this match after they popped a smoke bomb at Saputo Stadium during the Eastern Conference knockout game last year. So not only, I I believe their numbers are going to be pretty small. One of the traveling support tells me they'll have 60 or 70 fans there. Um... But they won't be able to have any signage whatsoever, no flags, no nothing, as they are under sanctions. So uh, when you think about Toronto, obviously you think about Michael Bradley as well, who certainly has a point to make. Yes, led uh, TFC into the playoffs for the first time, along with Giovinco and Altidore, but is the man in the middle and uh, definitely benefited uh, from having a guy like Giovinco up top. Just kind of curious what what your thoughts are about having Toronto as the first opponent and simply just playing at home with New York hasn't done a whole lot in the Red Bull Arena era. Yeah, this is actually uh, the first time since 2011 that they'll be playing uh, at home in the first game of the season, which is kind of remarkable. If you go back uh, over the last four years, they haven't won a home opener with those games in Portland, Kansas City, 
uh, Dallas and Vancouver. They've they've come up with two losses and two draws. Uh, but if you if you're talking about Toronto FC, uh, especially in recent years, they've they've been teams that have arguably won you know quote unquote won the off season of the last three years, bringing in you know Jermaine Defoe and then as we talked about with Bradley Altador and Jovinko. But I think this year they did it for all the right reasons. The way they went about adding you know proven MLS veterans, I think. You know their defense was a huge, huge question mark all of last year, and bringing in someone like Drew Moore and Stephen Bateshore mm-hmm. and Clint Irwin, those are huge pickups uh, to help anchor that defense. So that should make a big difference. Uh, Will Johnson in that in that center midfield, a Toronto native, I think that's a another savvy pickup that can you know really help solidify things and you know give Bradley a little bit more of a license to go forward and, and do what he does best. Uh, so. Obviously, this is going to be a much improved team, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a very firm test for the Red Bulls in their in their uh, their home opener. They're really not going to have too much room uh, to mess about. They're going to have to get after it right away because I think at the end of the year, Toronto is going to be one of the the top teams in MLS, and I think they'll be uh, right there with the Red Bulls near the top of the East. Well, and we've often said this about Toronto teams that you know this is the year that they'll finally figure it out. This is the year they'll finally figure it out. They've yet to have a winning record, right? They were they were fifteen and fifteen and four last year, so they really have done only just enough to make it work. And uh, you know, frankly, this is a team that uh, makes you know Philadelphia look like they have it figured out from time to time as a franchise. So yes, they're definitely turning it around. They will give New York. Uh, everything they can handle. Obviously, there'll be what should be a very, very large crowd at Red Bull Arena. If not sold out, then certainly nearly sold out. And uh, it'll be rocking and rolling, and we don't get too many 1.30 uh, kickoffs, so it'll be interesting to see what that's like. So um, why don't we move right to predictions? Let's give you a prediction. Alan Chapman, our old friend, will be the uh, the man in the middle. Very, very curious about what you think will happen on Sunday at Rebel Arena. No, we all know how solid my predictions are, but uh, this is where this is where it begins, my <laughs> friend. This is where it begins, uh, especially week one. I'm going to be a little rusty, but uh, I, I think I'll go with uh, with two nothing for the Red Bulls. I think they'll uh, they'll manage to uh, to get a couple goals. I think you're going to see Bradley Red Phillips on on the score sheet. Uh, you know, he's obviously going to. I think he's going to be primed for another big year. Uh, I, I think they'll manage to uh, to keep a clean sheet. Call me crazy, uh, but I think they're they're going to be doing plenty of game planning to to stymie Jovinko. Obviously, he's going to be you know front and center of their game plan. They're going to be doing plenty of film work on him and how to shut him down. And you know, not having Josie Altador up there is is going to be nice for the Red Bulls. They'll have you know one less headache to worry about. So I, I think at home for the first time, as we said since 2011, I think they'll get the job done. Yeah, I like New York as well. I'm going to call it a 2-1 win for New York. I think Giovinco is definitely going to nick one. I don't know if it'll come first or in the middle or, or at the end, but I think this is going to be a tight match. I think we're going to see a lot of flair, and I think Mike Grella is going to get on the score sheet. You know, Grella is, looks to be the odd man out of the starting lineup. Of course, New York fans got to know him and got very comfortable with him on the left side, uh, but with the emergence of Verone in the preseason, I think Grella is definitely going to have something to prove, and that chip on the shoulder is something that that uh, we would certainly welcome from him. So I'm going to say Grella is going to get one. I think BWP gets the other, and Giovinco. Um, before we go to break, we just want to say that MSG will be back once again for the 21st season, covering the Red Bulls, and our friend Tina Servasio will also be part of that deal. Um, she will be managing as uh, as well with our friends uh, Shep Messing. And Steve Cangelos, who will be covering as usual. And so pregame, if you're not going to be at Red Bull Arena, and why wouldn't you, really? 
one o'clock uh, for Red Bulls game night, and then the game at one thirty. When we're back in Seeing Red, we're going to have a compilation of everything we learned from Media Day. It's Seeing Red season preview. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. Hey, Kamar, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Good to talk to you. So, obviously a fantastic breakout year for you with the Red Bulls and the national team. What are your personal goals for 2016, and how can you kind of take the next step with your career? Um, for this year, it's, been, it's just about being much clearer in everything I do, um, improving more and more each and every day, and to even have a better season than last year. Because I know a lot of people think that was a good season. Some people say um, it was luck. Some you know, people have their people have their different says. But for me, it's just tapping. It's just really tapping into everything that God has given to me, and you know, the power, the strength, the ability to go out there every day and perform. So I just want to keep tapping into that. And as long as I keep God first place in my life, you you will only see growth from me. I assure you that you only see growth, and you only see me getting better every day. And my goals, my goals is just to get, my goals is just to get um, some more assists this year, and popping up at that back post to get some goals as well. Um, when I go national team to perform at an even higher level and to make myself a leader here and my national team. Last year, you kind of established yourself in the team. You, you weren't the starter at the beginning of the year. Roy Miller was the starter at left back, and then you kind of took over. This year, you know, you have guys like Connor Lade and Justin Billy behind you. What do you see your role as this year, now that you're one of the more established players in the team? My role is just to be dominant on the field, dominant on my side of play, being a team player each, each and every day, being a leader out there, because Jesse has entrusted me with a lot at that position, and he expect he holds me at a high level and he expects a lot from me and I just want to fulfill everything that he holds me at and more so I want to do more that more than what's expected of me I want to keep busting my ass keep doing my work and I just want to be a better player each and every day each and every day that you guys see me you guys should see more so that's what I'm aiming for Connor and the guys are great players those guys are knocking on the door as well at any given day, Jesse can put in corner and not me. And I believe that he will go out there and do the same job or even a better job on the day. He's a great player. Can't take nothing from him. But on any day I'm out there, I'll do my work and I'll do it to the best of my ability. Thanks a lot. Best of luck this year. Thanks, man. All right. Oh, doing the tag team interview. Okay. Too. Okay. <laughs> so, Connor, talk to us about how your preseason went for you. And how that you're going to leverage, uh, hopefully, a strong preseason into more minutes on the field this year. Yeah, it was a good preseason. Uh, it's always nice uh, having a year under your belt with Jesse, so you uh, kind of have a good idea of what what his expectations are, even though they are higher this year, considering that uh, it's this pretty much successful uh, 2015. Um, so we. We uh, put in a lot of hard work. Um, you know, personally, I'm I'm just gonna wait for my chance whenever that uh, whenever that may come. Um, you know, we know we have a lot of games this year and a lot of competition, so you know, you're gonna have to be ready uh, any any time when your number's called. And uh, you know, I'll be itching and scratching to get on that field. And 
uh, you know, I'm just really excited the season's starting. You, you touched on it a little bit there, and Jesse said a lot throughout preseason that squad rotation's going to be a lot bigger this year than it was last year. You know, whether it's, you know, pushing Kamara at left back or maybe Salad right back, what are your goals for this year? What do you see from yourself in 2016? You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun year. Uh, we've got a lot of games, and you know, he's he's been talking about rotating guys, and it's it's great when you're able to do so because we've got such a deep team this year. Um, we added a lot of good pieces, uh, a lot of young guys, and it's we're going to be an exciting team to watch again this year. And so, you know, wherever that spot may be, you know, left back, right back, um, you know, I, whether it's pushing those guys in front of me, I'll, I'll be doing that every single day in practice, and uh, you know. I'm, always going to put the team first and you know my needs will come second absolutely so uh whatever i can do to make the team successful i'll be doing that and so it's uh you know whether it's pushing those guys and you know fighting for a spot there or you know wherever that chance may come i'll be ready thanks sir thanks a lot best of luck thank you very much guys all right thanks. so brandon allen you've gone through your first uh, mls preseason talk to us about how it went for you and what you think you showed uh, to the coaching staff um, you know, every day is a learning process here, and uh, I think uh, just getting along with the guys is is very important as a rookie. And I think you know, I've been these past couple of weeks have been better for me with getting along with everybody. But uh, you know, I'm enjoying the process, and uh, I'm loving the team so far. It's like a family, and it's um, it's, a, it's an awesome experience so far. Talk to us about what you learned you need to do to get to the next level under the tutelage of the uh, of the coaching staff um i'm i mean there's all different aspects but uh i think the main the main part is is uh we did a lot of pressing in college but then here i feel like it's a it's it's a next level type of thing and uh i think uh i've been picking up the pieces pretty well uh as it's coming along and uh i'm enjoying every moment Okay, well, Brandon, I know fans are rooting for you. Best of luck this season. Thank you. Thank you. We are with Zach Carroll. Zach, talk to us about your first MLS preseason. How did it go for you, and what do you think uh, you showed this this uh, coaching staff? Um, I think I think it's gone very well. Uh, the team's great. They've been very very good to me, and um, you know, at first you know, it's a whirlwind. You know, things are flying and stuff. So it's all about kind of calming it down, and um, you know, I think I think it's ended very well for me and. Um, I think to show the coaches, you know, I've, I'm a tough-nosed guy who, you know, just loves the game, and I'm going to do whatever I need for, for the team. What was that adjustment like for you? Because I know coming into camp, especially as a rookie, not even as one of the homegrowns, everything's new to you from the system to the coaches and the players, and especially at a position where the Red Bulls were kind of in flux with center back. What was that strain like for you, and, and how, did it, how did you get yourself acclimated? Um, you know, the first week it was all about, you know, them instructing you on, on the way they play. And um, so from there, it's just taking what they say and um, just trying to do, you know, to the best of your ability. And so so now for me, it's just keeping improving and, um, you know, perfecting what, what they want from me. You know, we haven't talked uh, about this previously, but obviously you grew up in a world where MLS always existed. Did you watch the league as a kid? Were there teams or players that you followed that you tried to model your game on? Um, yeah, I've, I've grown up watching MLS. Um, I've always loved it. Um, I didn't didn't really uh, branch out too much. It was mostly because coming from Michigan, we don't have a team, so was, I kind of stayed with the local teams, so kind of like Columbus and Chicago, but... Um, the Red Bulls were always a team that I kept my eye on as well, and um, I think 
player-wise, um, I'm not even sure who I would say I play like. I, I really don't know. But yeah. Well, listen, best of luck your first MLS season. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, man. We'll see you around. Thank you. Good. Hey, Brad. You seem to have a fantastic preseason where you were putting the ball in the net almost every game out. Talk to us how it felt for you and this partnership that we're seeing with you and Gonzalo up top. Yeah, um, it's obviously always good to, to get your goals. But I was happy, you know, we, we had a new formation thrown at us and it, I think we dealt with it and we got another string to our bow now. And I think the hard work that comes out, we put so much work in in preseason. We're a very hardworking team. And the one thing for us is our strength is our fitness. And I think everyone... Everyone got a lot fitter and, and, and feel like they're best now, 100%. So it, it, I, can't, I can't have any negative things to say about preseason. How does your game change when you're paired with a player, whether it's Gonzalo or Mike or even Anatole up top? How does that change what you're doing? I feel like for me, it's not. I'm still occupying defenders. I feel like it, it just gives with that one extra guy, you know, the, the players behind me. You know, it gives them more of an option, more, not just going to me. You know, it gives them more of an option, more more um, for the opposition team to think about and it's, it's a great it's a great um, formation to have with another strong season from you I'm sure you're aware you have an opportunity to become the all-time leading scorer in team yeah. history it's really within reach talk to us about what that would mean for you um, <laughs> it's obviously it, if, it, if it happened I would I'll be very very honored you know a, a club this size and, and my name attached with that well, that record would be good, but I, I always say this every year. I don't, I don't start off trying to, to hit targets because it doesn't work out for me. So you know, if I'm near, if I'm near that target somewhere during the season, you come to me. I'll give you. I can tell you how I really feel, and, and you know, I mean, what it, what it would mean to me more. But for now, I'm just trying to keep it like quiet. You know? In 2014, you obviously made a lot of headlines with uh, your goal scoring tally. Yeah. Uh, but according to your estimation and others within the team, you had a better year in, in 2015 sure. with the way that you played on and off the ball. Yeah. How are you going to build on that for 2016? Any other wrinkle that you can add to your game? Um, there's always something, but I want to. I feel like even last year I could be cleaning with um, just holding up the ball. Um, I want more assists. Um, the goals, the goals thing. I don't, I don't, I don't try to think about too much because that's when you fail. But yeah, just my all-round game. I'll keep working on that. I'm going to look for more assists and, and just more ball retention. I, d I don't want to give the ball away too much, and I think those things will help my team out. You know, and I feel like they will appreciate that more than just just scoring a handful of goals. I mean, a, a, a bunch of goals. Yeah. Being down in preseason, I was able to see uh, you and Gonzalo link up really well as a, in a two-forward yeah. setup. Obviously, you know a little bit of a setback with his hamstring injury, but yeah. you know, how has that uh, relationship kind of developed, and, and what are you hoping to see from that this year? It was good. I think Gonzalo was uh, a major plus. You know, to see him to get a preseason under his belt. When he came last year, we'd only see him in um, you know bits and bobs. We'd only see bits and bobs of what he could do, and I think this season he showed us. You know, and it's like a, it's like having a new signing. He was amazing in preseason. He if, I do, if it is me and him playing up front together every now and again, I feel like he'll take a lot of the workload off. I won't have to do uh, you know, as, <laughs> half as much running. So I'm excited. I'm excited for him to, to get out there. Thanks a lot, Brad. Best of luck. Thanks, Brad. Alex Mule, you've just come through your first MLS preseason. Talk to us a little bit how the experience was and what you took away from it. Um, it was a really good experience. Uh, I was hurt in the, the first part of it, but it was really exciting to be able to come and meet my teammates and be in an environment where you're around them all day, every day. And I think that that really jumpstarts the process of, of becoming a unit, becoming a, a squad, kind of. And I think that it's more grueling than anything that I've done before in uh, you know college or high school or, or club or whatever. But I think that like immediately you can see that that these people are professionals and that they're taking it uh, every day as their job and they're taking it seriously. So I think that 
it's been a really good learning process for me. I think all the other young guys as well. Talk to us about following soccer, following MLS soccer, and following the Red Bulls as a kid. Obviously, this was the only game in town while you were growing up. Talk to us about your exposure uh, to Red Bulls as you were coming along. Um, I think, well, yeah, Red Bulls Academy kind of became a thing when I was still growing up. Like before right. that, I don't know if they had, Metro Stars didn't have one. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that, uh, uh, yeah, so I, suddenly like the talent started going to Red Bull, and I didn't go until my U16 year. And then um, I think it really immediately became clear that like if you wanted to, to be serious about, about your soccer, about you know maybe pursuing it as a career, you had to go somewhere where all, all the talent was going. And I think that... Once I made that decision to go there, it was it was it was definitely something that a decision that I made that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Did you watch and follow the team as a kid? Do you watch a lot of soccer? Yeah, I watched a decent amount of soccer. I watched um, I watched yeah I watched a lot when I was growing up in college. I kind of right I kind of lost track a little bit. But I think one of the interesting things was I was in Europe this summer, and I turned on the TV and and, and the MLS is showing, and I think that shows a lot about. Um, the exposure that the league's getting and, and people all in Europe want to watch our games where in the past it was the other way around. So I think it's it's pretty interesting that way. Is there one player during your preseason experience that really kind of taught you the most about stepping up your game for the pro experience? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily. I think there's a lot of players, but I think you can learn a lot from watching a guy like Bradley because he's, you know, obviously like a star for this team or, you know, one of the main players for this team. and and But he's somebody that he's around all the young guys every day he's working the hardest than anyone and he's he, he every day he takes seriously we're in the past like you can imagine someone in his situation you know they can take a little bit they can relax a little bit but he demands every day like perfection and i think that's something that that i've learned a lot from great house best of luck in your first season thank you i appreciate it oh sasha mark from singer how, how you doing man um, talk to us about how preseason went. Obviously, you're, uh, you had a break that was obviously, I think, really, really good for you. Talk to us about having that break and how preseason went in your eyes. Yeah, first and foremost, the break was, was really good for me, uh, physically and mentally, I think, to take time away from soccer. Um, the coaches had a, a physical program that was sent out to most of the guys, and I, I told them that I was pretty much going to take the first five weeks to do absolutely nothing, and I, and I had their blessing, which was good. Um, so that felt good for me personally. And then to get back into preseason, I was itching and ready to go because it was still a long off season more than I was used to. But preseason was a huge success. I think, um, you know, we won majority of our games. We scored a lot of goals. We added some sophistication to our game with a new formation that we can use tactically. So overall, very good. Last year, a lot of uh, the, the starting 11s were basically the same every week with guys like you and, and Dax and Felipe, you know, playing 90 minutes almost every week. Jesse's talked a lot about squad rotation this year. Do you think someone like a Sean Davis or Tyler Adams can, can help to you know that lighten that workload for you? Yeah, I think we've said this pretty much since day one, that Sean Davis is, is the guy that at, at any team in MLS, he'd probably be a starter. But it's unfortunate for him that we have such a good midfield, but he's been pushing the guys every day in training. He, he comes to training with the best attitude. He works hard. And he's going to have a lot more time to play this season, and I'm sure he's going to shine. Um, but there are, there's more than just him. You know, we've got a lot of guys. Jesse has talked about even the, the four guys at the outside back position. There's going to be rotation there. The, there's probably six to seven or eight of us in the attack that can only play in four spots. So um, there's going to be a lot of rotation. And, and look, I'm the type of guy that wants to play every game, but I also know that this rotation is going to help the team in the long run and maybe even help me personally in the long run of this season and in my career. So I think it'll be a good thing for us to have that depth. 
Talk to us about the new formation and what you are being charged with doing slightly differently in it. Yeah, you know, we, we've we've kind of practiced playing in a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2, if you want to call it that. Um, Jesse has told me that I can play in any of the six attacking positions, so to have that flexibility for me personally is good, but also for the team. Um, so when I'm playing in the, the deeper of the two, whether it's with Dax or Felipe or Sean Davis, it's more about controlling the game. The next two, it's about maybe pinching inside more and being almost almost like a number 10 still, but maybe just in a slightly wider position. And then when you play up top, it's more about making runs off the ball and trying to get on the end of plays. So uh, for the most part, soccer is still soccer. And to me, I feel like you can put me on the field anywhere and, I'm, and, and I'll figure out how to play in the game and I'll figure out how to, how to make a difference. And we have a lot of guys that are really smart and, and are able to do that as well. So for us, it's just building about that sophistication tactically where we can maybe change things up and surprise teams a little bit more than what we could last season. Great. Best of luck. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Sean Davis, obviously starting your second pro season. I think everyone agrees that season one was very, very strong debut for you. Talk to us a little bit about stepping up your game, different opportunities, and what you can show in year two. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm really proud of year one. I'm, you know, looking back on how things went, I'm, I'm really happy with um, the progress that I was able to make, and you know the way I was uh, the way I was able to establish myself within the group. But um, you know I want to continue to improve and continue to continue to progress, and um, you know I want to look back on year two and and make even more of a difference and try to help the team in more ways and, and play more. And we have a, a more congested uh, schedule going forward this year, obviously with Champions League, and so just want to help the group uh, be there whenever they need me and. Um, you know, whether that's from the start or off the bench, just try to make a difference in, in every game possible. And, you know, I think that starts with training, working hard, continuing to push myself, stay motivated, um, stay inspired, and, and just continue to look up to the older guys in, in ways that I can improve and, and adapt and just continue to establish myself. What has Jesse told you about your role this year? Has he given you maybe a benchmark for, for minutes that he wants you to try to get or, or what kind of roles he sees you playing this year? Yeah, we've had positive conversations about, um, you know, my development and continuing to improve, as I mentioned before. And um, I think what we we both know is that I can continue to, to grow into a, a new role and continue to be a leader for the younger guys. And I think that's one of my main goals going forward is to establish myself as a leader um, in some way with the team, whether that's, you know, with the with the younger guys, with the homegrown signings. Um, playing with the USL team, being a leader for that group, um, and in all ways, just trying to push myself in, in all facets and, and grow as a, as a player. Thanks, Sean. Best of luck. Thank you. I heard you, uh, Yeah, I had a lot of conversations with Jesse about, uh, you know, obviously, in the heat of the moment, I was emotional after the Columbus game. I said a couple things that, you know, that were probably true, but I could have said them in a, a different way. Um, certainly... I did feel like we were, you know, we were getting a little bit one-dimensional. And it's not the fact that, um, you know, we couldn't beat team Columbus the way that we played, but it just felt like Columbus switched up their entire game plan just to focus on us and what we did well. And so I think that obviously shows two things. It shows a lot of respect for us, but it also shows that uh, teams were adjusting to play against us. And then we weren't adjusting to play against teams, which is fair, but then in the middle of the game, 
if something's not working, do you have a plan B? And that's the one thing Jesse and I talked a lot about. And it was it was a candid conversation. The good thing between us is we have a lot of trust in each other. I can say things to him and he won't get offended. He can say things to me. He can tell me when I have a crap game and I won't get offended. I mean, this is the type of relationship you have to have with your players if you want to be able to, to move forward and be successful. So... A big part of the off-season plan that we talked about was like we're going to try to to develop a little bit more sophistication in how we play, and having two strikers up top helps us a lot. We're we're not going to don't get me wrong we're not going to switch up the formation completely, but we have uh, especially this preseason I think you saw a lot we played a lot with two strikers up top, and that does a couple things. When we press and win the ball high up the field, we have an extra guy next to Brad uh, to help take the load off him. Um, and also it creates a lot of clarity on the field in terms of roles and what guys are supposed to do. Um, and I think that we have such a mature team. We have an experienced team. We have guys that listen, guys I want to learn. Um, and so now if we start a game in a 4-2-3-1, whatever made us successful last year, let's say we go down 1-0 and we're playing really well but we're not scoring and Brad's up top on, on his own and he's getting battered by the opposition all right, that's fine. Maybe we'll make a tactical adjustment. Maybe we'll go to two up top. Maybe we'll bring in a bang off the bench. Maybe we'll bring a bang off the bench to kind of switch up how teams have to go about us. That'll make space a little bit more space for Brad. There's all kinds of different ways that, you know, this new formation will help us. And getting different guys on the field at certain moments, making teams uncomfortable at certain moments, um, you know, keeping teams guessing. I think that's a big thing. I mean, we take a lot of pride in knowing that once we step on the field, we know teams know how we're going to play it, but they still can't do anything about it. I mean, we have a lot of pride in that. But at the same time, when teams do respect us and switch up how they play against us, maybe we can throw another wrinkle at them that they're not ready for. Dax, middle of the season, should you stay healthy, and we wish you obviously all the health in the world, you will become the all-time leading appearance leader for this franchise. What does that mean to you uh, as the captain, as someone that yep. came in, we remember your video about this team has never won a title, and you were surprised yep. at that. Yep. Talk to us about being the man <laughs> on the top of that list. Well, yeah, uh, I've thought about it a little bit more. Obviously, since the off season came around, I uh, I didn't know I was as close as I was actually. Um, but once you start, you know, hearing little rumors that you know you're only a couple games away and and all that, and you can kind of you know break records and be a part of the history of a, a club as big and as important as this club. Um, it's humbling and it's flattering and obviously uh, you know it's something that I take a lot of pride in. I mean the one thing uh, the one thing that is tough to get in this league is longevity especially at, at one club. I mean the roster turnover as you guys know because of the salary cap or whatever reasons is insane and it's hard for it's hard for teams to stay loyal to players and it's hard for players to stay loyal to teams just because of so many different variables that go into it um so to potentially be at the top of that list um and potentially to be you know among the greats of the club and guys that have had longevity here um that's something that uh that i'm going to take a lot of pride in and it kind of gives me chills thinking about it uh because this club is very important um but at the same time uh it's just uh it's just a number so that's what you have to look at it i i, I don't come 
like I said, I've told you guys this a lot of times. I don't come to work every day to break records and for myself and to for for selfish reasons. I come to work every day to try to get better as a player and to try to help this team win championships. And in the past couple of years, we've been able to do that a couple of times. Uh, the main goal is MLS Cup, and so we haven't been able to do that. And so that's the only thing that I really care about. If if I don't break the record this year, uh, for whatever reason, but I, but we still win MLS Cup, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. But uh, if and when that day comes, uh, that's something that I'll be able to tell my kids one day and something that I'll take a lot of pride in. What does it mean to open at home for the first time since uh, you joined the team, I think? Yeah, the, well, the last time they opened at home was 2011. Right. I came in the middle of that season. That's right. So I never have opened the game at Red Bull Arena, and, and it was frustrating because our record on the road in opening games is terrible since I've been here. And it means a lot because, for my money, we have some of the best fans in MLS, and I'm, I have no doubt in my mind we have the best facility in MLS. Uh, in the U.S. for that matter, soccer-specific stadium. Um, so to be able to open the season here with the comforts of Red Bull Arena, knowing how strong we are at home, uh, with the attitude that, you know, we go into the, the season every year saying we're going to make Red Bull Arena a fortress. And usually that doesn't start till a couple weeks into the season, but now it starts in the beginning of the season. You can set the tone right from the get-go. You can prove to your fans that, you know, last year wasn't just a fluke. This year we not only want to remain as successful as we were last year but we want to surpass that we want to be even better than we were last year um and so for me the beginning of the season is always tough because you're not usually as sharp as you want to be if you have that home field advantage in the beginning of the game that kind of is the uh you know the 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 great divider between the two teams you know if both teams are kind of if the match is cagey and teams can't really find a rhythm uh the pressure that our fans can put on the opposing team is huge and i've never i've never felt that since i've been here and i really am excited to see uh you know how energized red bull arena is because i think the fans have been waiting a long time to have a game you know start the season at red bull arena i know i have um and we expect a great crowd we expect great energy uh, and look, the pressure's on us because we expect to win. Every time we're at Red Bull Arena, we expect to win the game. So I just know the guys are excited. Two questions for you, Dex. That's it for our player interviews. When we're back on Seeing Red, we'll have a familiar voice on the show, and that's Dave Martinez from Empire of Soccer. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. We're back at Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup iTunes, Stitcher, Backheel, Red Bulls Radio, SeeingRedNY.com, all places you can hear us. Now, you may be familiar with our next guest, who for many years was actually a host on this show. He is the proprietor of the today five-year-old New York soccer presence uh, that we all visit every day, and that's Empire of Soccer. The emperor of Empire of Soccer is Dave Martinez, and he joins us right now. Dave, how have you been? I've been great, but you know, I've always wanted the Mark Fishkin entrance on Seeing Red, and I just got it. You really do a good job of that. Now, I know what the players feel now. This is nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do exactly. Um, Dave, where has, uh, let's start here, where has New York improved the most during the off season? Wow, that's uh, that's a bit of a... Uh... <laughs> Where have they improved the most? That's difficult to say. It's the same team. We're talking about the same exact starting 11. Uh, we're talking about a team that has taken on uh, so much youth 
And the only real change that we're seeing here is Gideon Ba, right? Uh, so where have they improved? That's tough to say. I think the improvement is the continuity. And Mark, if you remember just three short years ago, we were lamenting the fact that the Red Bulls couldn't sustain any kind of continuity at all. And here we are with a near identical lineup to last year's, uh, save Matt Miazga. And, uh, I think that is your biggest achievement this off season. The fact that they've been able to hold on to that core and, and not only that, but they also have been able to integrate, uh, Gonzalo Verón into the attack. As we saw against Jacksonville, a hat trick. Uh, Eric has been doing a great job on your redbulls.com documenting how well he's been doing. So it's almost as if you have an extra signing right there, but where have they improved? It's difficult to say. This is really a, a tale of continuity here, and that's really what's going to make or break their season. Dave, obviously, you just touched on the fact that there really, you know, hasn't been too many uh, wide, you know, widespread changes throughout this team. Uh, but if there are any question marks looming through this team, whether it's personnel-wise or tactically or what have you, what do you think those are? Look, my biggest concern is the same concern I had earlier last year, which never came to fruition, which is the depths. Uh, now, it's good that the Red Bulls have, as I said, Gonzalo Verón is taking a, a bigger role. Therefore, you have better options coming off the bench, like a Mike Grella. Uh, but even the best teams around the world improve in the offseason. Even the best teams bring in solid veterans to back up what they already have, and the Red Bulls didn't do that. So they're taking a gamble. They're rushing, in my opinion, rushing the homegrown process, bringing in a ton of youth talent, uh, which may or may not pan out. Now, for the Red Bulls this season, the continuity, the chemistry is going to carry the day. But... Look at what's happening with Verona right now. Um, picks up a hamstring injury at the very end of preseason, leaving a hole. You have Mike Grella that's willing to fill that. But moving forward, if there are more people that fall, my concern, if I was a Red Bull fan going into the season, would be, are the young kids ready to play? Are they ready to step in and take a larger role in Jesse Marsh's system? Now, we've spoken about this plenty of times before. Jesse has everybody believing in the system. Uh, he preaches it. He lives it. And everybody will be prepared. Each player will be prepared if they're put into a role which they do not expect to be put into uh, due to injury or what have you. However, the veteran depth isn't there for me, uh, just as it was last year. Just I, I don't see. I see that being a weakness that everybody is ignoring, uh, mainly due to the fact that the Red Bulls have honored their commitment to youth, which is a great thing. But you have to do both. You have to reinforce the veterans that are currently in that starting eleven while bring up to use. I think they did one half of that, and the other half of the equation kind of fell short. Well, it's really kind of interesting when you think about they have their first opportunity to to show the depth on Sunday, right? Because Verone won't be able to go, and you have a guy like Mike Grella, who obviously was a key cog in last year's Shield champion team, and he's going to get slotted right in. So, yes... They are going to be thrown in and testing their youth relatively quickly, or so they say. And yes, Marsh says he wants to play more of his squad throughout the season, so you're going to see less of a kind of a locked-in um, top 11, but starting 11. But you know, this is obviously a, a fine... If there's one player that goes down, I guess having Mike Grella behind them really isn't that big a deal. No, not at all. I mean, this is, as strange as it sounds, the ideal player to go down at this point, right? I mean... If you're looking at defense and, and you lose a, a Gideon Barr, you lose a, a Ronald Zubar at this point, uh, there are reasons for concern. Uh, if you lose a Dax McCarty, I would be concerned. Uh, but again, with Gonzalo Verón leaving at this point, or excuse me, being out at this point uh, early in the season, most likely just one game, Mike Grello will be able to fill in just fine. And, and let's give Grello some credit here. What a tremendous year for Mike Grello last year. 
uh, he's quickly become, and we talked about it last year, but uh, he's quickly become a folk hero amongst many Red Bull fans. So many of them who, are, who came out of the Jacksonville Armada match, 5-1, to one, Gonzalo Leon scores a, a hat-trick, and Red Bull fans come out of that game worried about, oh, will Mike Grella start? This is a guy that's earned his place on the team. He's a fantastic player. He's found himself finally after years of promise. And if anybody was going to go down, that only being that person, Grella stepping in, I see no worries for game one. Moving forward, however, God forbid something happens to Bradley Wright Phillips, or, or mm-hmm. then that's where you really have to find concern. And last year we spoke about it. It didn't happen. This year, the continuity is there. They're a year older. Uh, there's more youth options. It's a bigger risk this year. You just talked about the continuity there, and there certainly is, but I think there's still a fair bit of change, and not in the way of personnel necessarily, but with expectations. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of expectations surrounding this team in 2015, and perhaps that's what helped them succeed. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about that storyline ad nauseum at times, but do you think that you know the, the fact that they're now the hunted as opposed to you know the hunters, do you think that that has any effect on the way that they go about their business, or is that just kind of conjecture that us and the media types like to talk about? No, absolutely it's going to affect things. Guys, look at the end of the last season. Look at what happened in the playoffs, how Jesse March, for as great as he was all year, for the way that he motivated the team, had them buy into his system. At the end of last season, that high-press system, for as effective as it was, became a bit predictable. There was no plan B. So going into the season, when you're having the entire league gunning at you, when you're no longer the surprise club and people know what to expect, let's face it, the Red Bulls are still going to be punching teams in the mouth. This is still going to be a team that is going to go all out in their attack. That's going to be suffocating as it's always going to be, but teams will be better prepared for it. So what does Marsh do, being the brilliant manager that he is? He decides to give it a different look. He's going with the 4-2-2-2, which you've reported, Eric, very nicely about uh, this offseason, and that's going to give the team different options, and that's what you have to do. If you don't reinforce the club with some good, solid veterans in the offseason, if you're reinforcing the club with young options, it's really up to the manager at this point, if you're out of those options, if you're out of depth options, um, to come up with a different strategy, come up with something that will make the team a little more unpredictable. And I think he's found it. The, the combination work, look, the Jacksonville Armada, they're no slouches. Tony Miola is a brand-new coach. <laughs> the Armada's a good team, and they destroyed them 5-1. to one. They destroyed them. So to me... That was a clear indication of how good this this little tweak, this four two two two, can be with Bradley Wright Phillips and a bit on up top. It could be devastating this year. Um, we'd we'd mentioned, of course, Dave, the the numerous pre uh, the numerous homegrowns that joined the club. Mal Corbos was was cut this week. I'm curious, which of the remaining uh, new players on this team would be the breakthrough player? Uh, before before opening day, and of course we're going to hold you to this. So, well, of course you are, and, and I'm sure that by tomorrow, considering the scene red jinx, all the news will come out, and we'll finally find out uh, exactly which homegrowns will go to USL uh, into the RB and Y two. And the so one who I, are you? Who right, are you exactly, condemning? Who am I going to condemn to the minor leagues? I, I, you know, they spoke about him so much last year, and I know he's a young kid; he's got plenty of time to develop. But with all the hype surrounding him, I'd like to see something out of Tyler Adams this year. Uh, if I was going with a safe pick, uh, I would say Sean Davis because he's the most uh, game ready. We saw that last you year. You don't get to, you don't get to say Sean Davis. He doesn't count. He's been a, he's been a rookie. I'm talking I about know. new guys. I know. Only new guys, and it's got to be Tyler Adams. Uh, I, I like Brandon Allen. Uh, I just don't see where he'll be able to break into the lineup. I love Derek Etienne. 
but the same thing. When is he going to get minutes? Um, I understand, again, that Jesse's going to look at, at, at better uh, subbing options, giving these young kids minutes. Uh, I don't know if that's enough for them to break through, so to speak. Um, but my eyes are on Tyler Adams. He was the very first uh, player that the Red Bulls signed prior to the end of last season. Uh, he is a he's a fantastic uh, young player. They have a lot of hope in him. Uh, they've been talking about him for years, so I want to see the goods there. I want to see what he'll be able to produce. I didn't get enough of a good look this preseason, uh, quite frankly, of any of the homegrown players. Uh, but if anybody comes in with any kind of hype or expectation, I would hope, other than you guys, it would be Tyler Adams. Yeah, very apropos here on the fifth anniversary of EOS that we asked the Emperor of Soccer about maybe a more broad question about not necessarily just the Red Bulls, but where they fit uh, in the larger scope of things. In terms of, obviously, the landscape has changed so much since you know you started EOS way back when uh, with the Cosmos and NYCFC. Where do you think the Red Bulls fit in currently? Obviously, they have plenty of success on the field. What, what is your uh, you know, attribution as, as to where they stand right now? Well, where they stand as far as the New York soccer landscape. Um, I mean, look, NYCFC came out with so much promise last year, and they fell flat. They picked up Patrick Vieira. They picked up some young options. But I don't see them necessarily having improved uh, over the off season. It's almost the reverse of the Red Bulls, right? They went out got some veterans, but I'm not necessarily sold on these veterans making a difference. Uh, the New York Cosmos uh, went into this off season, lost Marco Senna, lost Raul bought in some key players, and they look stronger. But again, you'd have to take a look at how these players will perform. I think the Red Bulls are still the cream. They're still the cream of the crop. You don't, you don't play the way the Red Bulls play, win a supporter's shield, have that kind of continuity, those kind of leaders, and fall flat or have your position questioned in this region. They, they beat down the blue team. They beat down the green team. They have established a superiority. And they are continuing with the same strategy, same mentality, and building the club in an organic way. It's something that Red Bull fans have been pining for for 20 years, and it took them about 19 to finally get it right. So here we are in year 21, uh, and with all the new faces in the market, all the challenges that they face, uh, you know, you can argue about how much media attention they'll get, but if we're talking about on the field, and if we're talking about front office right now, the Red Bulls are killing it, uh, up and down, uh, season ticket holders, um, again, the, the rosters that they have, I mean, it, it's fantastic what they've done. It's an unbelievable turnaround. So to me, they're still the cream of the crop. Well, you had mentioned on the field, but I think that that's in New York, obviously only part of the equation. I mean, the, the, the blue team came in and by all accounts did a phenomenal job. And we've, we talked about it ad nauseum, um, igniting the the MLS fandom inside the city limits for something different. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious your thoughts as we go to year two of uh, of the Hudson Derby, where the Red Bulls inhabit there. Uh, because obviously it's one thing to have aging superstars that get pictorials in the Times Fashion Magazine, <laughs> and it's, a, it's another to win the Supporters' Shield. So I'm just kind of curious how important is winning for this team, and what does it mean for the greater landscape of soccer in New York? Winning is everything, winning is everything for the Red Bulls. They, again, we're talking back to the past 20 years, and it's not something the Red Bull fans have been used to. And now, over the past three years, four years arguably, uh, they've built something on the field that, that is the envy of teams across the league. 
Uh, and that's a fact. That's not bluster. That is a fact. Um, so winning is at the core of everything Red Bull does. And let's also face this fact. The marketing battle will never be won by the Red Bulls. Uh, New York, the, the New York Red Bulls, I can't just say New York, the Red Bulls uh, don't have the kind of budget to compete with NYCFC. They simply do not. Uh, they don't have the availability of media that is just willing to take a quick train up to the Bronx because New Jersey's such a hike, <laughs> 15 minutes on the path, that they they have that advantage. So as far as media, spotlight, uh, outreach, we, we've seen it. NYCFC, despite losing last season, and quite frankly, uh, leaving a bad taste in several of their fans' mouths, media, there were several missteps along the, along the way last year for NYCFC. They still won New York City. They were still able to get the media attention. They were still able to sell more gear than the Red Bulls. Uh, and that's what makes the winning on the field so important for New York. And as long as the Red Bulls have that jewel of a stadium in Harrison, the right culture behind this club, and they produce results on the field, that is the best way that they can, can, that they can keep, as Mark DeGrafferty said, New York Red. Um, not to go too far off the reservation, uh, Mr. Martinez, but I mean, obviously there was a great story uh, about the New York, New York's, uh, the Red Bull success in terms of uh, season ticket renewals and new season ticket holders and all that good stuff. I'm just kind of curious what you are hearing about what the blue side of MLS is doing. Are they seeing similar successes? Obviously, they're working off of a larger base. Well, the last the last update I really had because it's climbed down since my last report. Uh, I reported, I believe, in September or October that at the same time that the Red Bulls had renewed, I think, 85% of their base, NYCFC was trailing at 50%. Uh, now, 50% is still going to be about 10,000 fans back in September, October. So that's still an impressive number. Uh, but I don't have a read right now on what their season ticket sale numbers are. I do know that their fans are going to have less of a leash for the club. You know, the uh, the days of celebrating outside of Yankee Stadium after loss, after loss, after loss, after loss, I think that's over. I think those days are done. I think the, the their fan base is quickly going to look for results. And if they can't beat the Red Bulls this year it's going to be a major issue for them, for sure. Uh, Patrick Vieira recently came out in a uh, in an MLSsoccer.com interview, a uh, fantastic interview, by the way, talking about how he's willing to stay here for 10 years and see the project out. Well, the only way you can do that is if you win. <laughs> and, as of, and as of right now, I look at that back line, I look at that midfield, I, I look at Pirlo and Lampard gingerly walking about the pitch uh, with no one really doing the shuttling work, and I still wonder... How are you going to put these pieces together? Vieira can be a legend in his own right, but will he be able to inspire the team to suddenly get these two older folks from jogging to running? I doubt it. Uh, so there's still concerns there. Again, it's about the winning. They are going to, the NYCFC is always going to win the marketing battle. That's it. They have the money to win the marketing battle. That's what makes it so imperative for the Red Bulls to continue to be relevant and dominant in the market. They have to continue winning. Dave, now that we uh, we finally have you back on Seeing Red, I, I can't help but harken back to your long and glorious tenure as the co-host of, the, of this show and your propensity for making just the finest of predictions every, <laughs> every week in and week out. That was more or less your staple, so I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to the fans if we didn't have you come on and, and make your trademark predictions. So please grace us with your, with your omniscient views and tell us, Team MVP, who do you got? 
who's going to you know get the golden boot for the Red Bulls, maybe your best newcomer. So th- just throw throw a couple things at us. All right, let's see. Best newcomer. I, since there's really only one newcomer that's going to get many starting minutes, I had to say Gideon Ba. <laughs> because <obviously, laughs> I just don't see the young guys making that kind of an impact this year. Um, MVP of the squad, look, I know Verona's out right now, but just by all accounts, man, those runs were so beautiful against Jacksonville. The way that him and Bradley Wright Phillips were able to intelligently read the field and read those stoic defenders. Those guys, that Armada defense was just shell-shocked. They didn't know what to do anymore. How are we going to cover these guys? And MLS is going to be the same thing. You weren't looking at slouch defenders there. Major League Soccer defenders are going to have the same issue. So I do think Gonzalo Verona is going to be an impact player this year, not just in goals. As he's told me in the past many times, goals is not really his game. It's passing. It's reading. It's creating. So I I think that's what you're going to see out of him this year. I think that he will be the, the team MVP, and that's not an Argentine bias. Uh, and as far as the prediction for this weekend, uh, they, they face a tough Toronto team. Uh, Josie Altidore is out, but, you know, again, so is Verona. Um, with all of that said, Red Bull Arena is a fortress. This team is clicking at all cylinders coming out of preseason. They look good. They recognize each other. My one concern I didn't really talk about, uh, guys, is the defense. For as good as Gideon Ba was, Zubar being healthy and all of that, I felt like Jacksonville got a lot of chances in that last match. And if Max Fondi could, I don't know, put something on net, you would have seen two or three goals for Jacksonville. Uh, that would be a concern that I would have to think that Jesse Marsh saw the same thing I did. Uh, with all that said, I think the Red Bulls come out opening day and they take victory. They win it to nothing. All right. Sorry, I like it. All right. That, that, sorry. <laughs> now you've done it. Before yeah. we let you go, Dave, and get back to your life running an entire empire, I'm just very curious, and we're going to hold you to this once again. Um, right now, how will the team do in the Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, and their race to win their third she- shield in four seasons? Wow. Uh, I think the Red Bulls take a step back uh, this year and the regular season because it'd be it's, it's a twofold thing here. I feel like they're gonna, they're not going to repeat as, as shield, uh, champions. Mainly because of the, the multi-faceted fronts that they're gonna be facing. Mainly due to the fact that they really didn't reinforce the club, uh, the roster, excuse me, with, with veteran options. They, they've gone so young. Uh, I do see them being able to compete in CCL and qualifying and moving on and, you know, opening doors for next year. I do see them making a better run in US Open Cup. Uh, but I think the regular season is going to be where they will tend to falter a little bit. I, I can't see this club, for as much as they're being favored uh, just by about everybody to win the MLS Cup this year, I can't say the same thing for the Shield. Uh, the Shield is a long, arduous process. They've already won it twice. They have the core to win the Cup this year. Uh, that shouldn't be the goal anymore. The goal should really be the MLS Cup. It, it shouldn't be about winning each and every game every week. It should be about preserving the uh, preserving the, the the veteran legs of the club with this gag and press system that they have. Uh, it should be about getting victories, but not necessarily running the team to the ground as they did last year. I just didn't had an interview with Sasha Kleschen. He was talking about how tired he was by the end of last year. Granted, he played from July to right. To, he whatever. didn't have a break. Exactly, right. no break lost. at all. But it. it did show that there were, for as good as the system is, there are drawbacks. There are there are areas where it tends to weigh on the players. Uh, so no, I don't think the supporter shield is in the cards this year. But I do see them making a good run into the playoffs. I do see them making a better run in the U.S. Open Cup. 
and finally showing up for CCL. So that means winning the group and moving on to the quarters, where DC is getting their rears handed to them right now by uh, Carataro. Good times. Dave Martinez is the the emperor and the proprietor and the creator and the owner of the greatest New York soccer site that's been around forever. It's it's five years old today. It's a unbelievable. That that's five years ago, and it's unbelievable that seven years ago he started the show. Dave Martinez, thank you so much for joining us and seeing Red. Mark, brother, it's a pleasure, man. Love you guys. You know that. Hopefully we'll speak to you later this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen. Are, are we feuding, Mark, by the way? No, we are not feuding. We are we are brothers from another mother, and there's Always. absolutely no feud going on. Voltron doesn't feud. Voltron stays the same. You can't have Voltron with a feud. No, no. All the pieces come together. We've got your emails after this. There's more Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. Back. Segment four. We don't usually have four segment shows, but it's so big. It's a supersized show. Because it's season kickoff, first kick. They don't say first kick anymore. Why don't they say first kick? I like that. Do you, what do you feel about first kick? To be honest, I, I kind of was still using first kick. I didn't, I didn't really know that they were going away from that. I'm, I guess yeah. I'm still trying to keep it alive. I'm, I'm down with first kick. All right. First kick edition, seeing red. Hey, folks, the last segment of every show is about you. You know this. So we got some emails. We've got some tweets. Earlier today on the Twitter... Earlier this evening, we asked uh, fans who their Bull of the Year is going to be and how far the team will get. And here's who said what. Uh, who is Chuck? Chuck G says MLS Cup or bust. So noted. Uh, our friend Tolstoy on Albuquerque says Shield winners again and Sasha Bull of the Year. Interesting. Mark Nealon, second in the East after Toronto finally gets their act together a decade late, and Verone for Bull of the Year. Very nice. Thomas Wilson echoes second place finish, Bull of the Year, and Verone. Jeremiah C.U. Uh, Vintu says between second and fourth in the East, minimum Eastern Conference Finals with a better showing than the last two seasons. I guess that means making MLS Cup. And Bull is Verone and Dax McCarty. Uh, John C. says, second in the East behind Cowtown. I guess that's Columbus. Hopefully returning the favor in the playoffs. Bull, BWP, Verona, if, if healthy. Um, so those are just a, kind of a few of the thoughts there. And then way earlier this afternoon, we had asked uh, what would be a, a good showing for the team. What are your expectations about what will make the season a success? And some of the answers briefly, Jonathan T, Tim Love, JTM Love Sports Silverware, MLS Cup is a crapshoot, but the Shield at, or U.S. Cup would be fantastic. Look forward to CCL as well. Steve Hoffman, friend of the show, says Verone gets a deal as an ad spokesman for a local car dealership. That would be something. Britt Bird says first round buy. Okay. Uh, here's Jeffrey Kleiman, who says a piece of silverware to add to MLS Cup. Oh, a piece of silverware and a trip to MLS Cup. Matt, uh, Metros 96, 201 represents, saying winning trophies, qualifying for CCL knockout round and the 2017-18 tournament. Uh, Aki Aurora, who frequently writes in, says fan growth slash support, home games, attendance up, team success, Shield CCL MLS Cup Open Cup. I, I, I don't know if that's all of those things. And then player success. Uh, when we've been, here's Mike, uh, nope, sorry, 
Thomas Springsteen says development, depth, consistency, cup. Pretty short. Sounds like a plan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fans are kind of, you know, they're all over the place. You know, the, what really stuck out for me from last year's playoffs is the first-seeded team, the Red Bulls, the second-seeded team, Dallas, and the third-seeded team, Columbus, neither of those teams won MLS Cup. And once we got to the conference finals, the road team, or the less uh, higher-seeded, lower-seeded team, won every matchup. And so that tells me that, to echo a little bit of what Dave said, Dave Martinez, <laughs> that perhaps the, the push to the shield isn't necessarily something that New York is going to kill themselves to get to. It's hard to say that before the season starts, but you get my draft. Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's very tough. I mean, you know, we always refer to the MLS playoffs as a crapshoot, and it absolutely is. Uh, but I, I think the key is, is you know, not, not just getting into the dance, but I think, you know, Obviously, peaking at the right time, but being in that top half of the East, I think if they can, you know, get one, two, three in the East, I think that that'll go a long way. Obviously, the the home field advantage uh, is a big one because they are such a better team at home than they are on the road. Uh, so, you know, repeating as Shield uh, champions is going to be a, a very tall task. It's just so hard to stay that consistent. It, it requires so many things to go well that actually happened last year, like, you know, the fact that they really hadn't didn't have to test their depth. They can roll up the same starting 11 week in and week out, which is just such a rarity, uh, the fact that, you know, none of their key players really missed uh, too much extended time. So, you know, if if it doesn't, you know, the Shield doesn't come their way, I don't think fans would be too upset if that means, you know, getting a chance to, to make it to MLS Cup because that's where they've stumbled the last few years is just, you know, right before they could get to that precipice. So I, I think that's the goal for this year. No team in MLS history have won has won three Shields in four seasons. DC also won two and three and won back-to-back. Uh, LA won back to back. Columbus won back to back. But no team has won three shields in four seasons. And of course, as we've noted, the Red Bulls have the best regular season record over the last three seasons combined. Uh, two emails quick, both from friends of the show. Jeff Howard, I'll keep it short and sweet. Who will be the Red Bulls' most improved player this season? In each of your opinions, a short email. You want to take a uh, take a shot at that, sir? Yeah, I mean we, we've talked about him a lot tonight, and uh, I, I think the easy answer is Gonzalo Verón, just because of uh, you know as we said the way that the, the circumstances that he came into the team. Obviously, they're not the best. We see it all the time with these midseason DP acquisitions that they take a little bit of time to you know get their feet underneath them. You know whether it be culturally, personnel-wise, you know, relating to the players, coaches, all of those things. And now he's playing a position that's uh, more comfortable to him. Uh, but if I was going to say someone other than Verone, since we've talked about him so much tonight, yeah. I, I think I'd actually say Sean Davis, because I've, he looked, you know, tremendous in preseason. He obviously, it, it's going to be tough to uh, to break into that starting 11 when you're a central midfielder and you got, you know, the likes of Sasha Kleschen, Dax McCarty, and Felipe, you know, three guys through which most of the team was built around last year. So it's going to be tough to break in there. But I think you'll see a lot more squad rotation. I think you'll see a lot more of Sean Davis over the three competitions that the Red Bulls will be playing this year. And I think fans will be uh, pleasantly surprised with uh, how much growth he, he's made uh, over the last year or so. 
Yeah, I'd like to see uh, in terms of improvement. I mean, and you don't really think about this because he is a more experienced player, but I'd like to think that Ronald Zubar is going to take a step forward from what we saw this past year. Yes, he's proven to be injury prone, although he is currently healthy right now. I mean, frankly, New York is going to need him to be healthy if New York is going to improve on what they saw last, uh, what we saw out of him last year. I mean, Dax had a career year, Robles had a career year. Sasha came in, as we said, with no rest and was able to figure it out. 14 assists tied for the all-time best in team history for a single season. Uh, Grella was uh, a revelation. Uh, BWP continues to BWP. So there aren't too many places in, among the regular starting 11, other than Verone, that we could see m- you know, massive improvement. But I, I really believe that a key to the season is going to be Zubar and his improvement uh, in his second year with the club. Um, last but not not least Eric Friedlander, who is, um, you know, Eric is a, uh, he's a big male Corbos fan, and he's concerned. He writes, what are your thoughts on the male Corbos situation? Do you think it'll hurt in the pursuits of future homegrowns? I saw that Big Apple Soccer reported that he'd been offered a Red Bulls 2 contract. However, it seems odd that they couldn't loan him, assuming he wanted to stay assuming he wanted to stay. Personally, I feel the league needs to make it easier to keep these homegrowns, especially as they rave about MLS Academies being world-class. This summer, we signed six homegrowns, not including Tyler Adams. However, that led to our roster filling up quickly. So what is the point of the Great Academy if we can't bring in all these homegrowns? The league needs to find a way that allows teams to sign homegrowns and keep them while not losing roster flexibility. Thoughts? Now, of course... If we're going from seven to six, that doesn't necessarily mean that this isn't going to work. But nevertheless, Eric, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, this is an interesting one. Uh, but you know, he's, he's operating the assumption that you know Mile wanted to stay uh, when you know, in fact, you know Jesse Marsh revealed today that you know he's been offered a Red Bulls two contract and he has the right to either say yes to that or no. And obviously, the fact that he's no longer with the club means that he decided to test his luck elsewhere. So you know, he could very well still end up with the team if maybe he tries his luck elsewhere and it doesn't pan out. He can return with the Red Bulls. Uh, but in, in terms of the the loan system. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a guru of the MLS rules. It seems like you know they're changing every year. Where is Dan Dickinson? <laughs> we miss you, Dan. We need you for this one. Uh, but the, it would be kind of a subversive of the rules in, in terms of you because you kind of stockpile players at, at USL and then load them back and forth. So they're kind of guarded against that. So you know the the homegrowns don't necessarily count against the cap, but it's still a numbers game in terms of the roster. And with the, a lot of these young guys, they'd be fighting, you know, just to see any any kind of playing time at the, at the first team level. And if you know if they're not willing to go down to USL, I mean, there's really not too much more you can do in the way of uh, of getting them on the field. Yeah, and again. You know, Corbuzz is a player in a position that the current first team is rich with. And so, you know, we, we obviously don't know what had been discussed between Corbuzz and the team uh, prior to him signing as a homegrown. He obviously had an opportunity to come into camp and make a difference uh, and impress upon the coaches to ensure, frankly, that someone else uh, was the last cut on the team. So these things happen, and they happen all over the world, and they happen with every club where youth players come up, 
perhaps they're not truly ready. As Eric, you had, uh, had mentioned earlier in the show, everyone is developing at different rates. There are other options that the team has to stay within the fold. And at the end of the day, every player has to look out for their own self-interest. So uh, it's just, it's a shame that there wasn't a spot for Mail. I, I hope, I think Red Bull fans all wish him well. Should he catch on with another MLS club, that would be an interesting storyline. Should he make the field against New York? But again, there's not one path to this, and there's not necessarily a playbook for this. If it works out, it's great. Um, these kids knew coming into the organization that they were going to have to fight and scrap, and they are not necessarily walking off an NCAA field and onto an MLS field, given the strength of the players that are currently uh, in the starting lineup. Hopefully, they will stick with it and understand that it is truly a marathon and not necessarily a sprint, and they'll be willing to do that. It's not going to work for everyone. Right. I, I, and, I think it's, it's and under- that's okay. Sorry, sorry, Mark. I think it's understandable uh, on both sides of the spectrum in terms of you know the homegrowns and the Red Bulls because it, it, it's it's kind of a balancing act for you know what what's the best path for their career. I mean, you could argue that you know maybe Mile if he would have went into the the, the super draft uh, you know as a you know Maryland graduate maybe he could have got picked up elsewhere. So maybe he feels he can you know test the market and get picked up elsewhere. But even as you see with the super draft, it, you know getting selected doesn't mean you're on the first team. It just grants you their rights and you can you know be. On the, on the preseason camp and get a, ch- a shot to make the team. So even there, there's no guarantee. So, you know, obviously, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think that this is going to necessarily deter homegrowns from signing. I think it's just part of the process, and it's all part of the feeling out process of, of where all these players will land. Yep, absolutely. But thank you so much, as always, Eric, for the, uh, for the email. And that comes to the end of our Supersize Season Preview. First kick just five days away. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, having Dave Martinez back. I did. I miss Dave. I miss, I miss having Dave. We all miss Dave. We all miss Dave. Um, Eric Giacometti, for his first prediction of 2016, calls it a 2-0 Red Bulls win. I go way out on a limb and call it a 2-1 Red Bulls win. <laughs> Nevertheless, that we hope that you're in your seats early because the Red Bulls on Sunday will unveil their 2015 Supporter Shield banner that will fly high above the South Ward, and we know that all of you want to be in your seats to see that. So, for everyone at Red Bulls Media Day, for Dave Martinez, for Eric Giacometti, and for me, Mark Fishkin, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeing Red. We move closer to 250. It's coming soon. We'll be back next week, everyone. Thanks. Good night. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Since 2010, your New York Red Bulls podcast. Find us at New York Red Bulls Radio at TuneIn, Backheel.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com. 